0: Can you believe it? this is the last week in our study of the book of Philippians? How many of you have enjoyed our study of the book of Philippians? <laughs> I have I have enjoyed it. We started this in February, and here we are—the first Sunday in June—and uh, this was a um, a shock for me as a communicator because I would always line out the year and say, "All right, we're going to do these, you know, twelve, thirteen subjects, and we'll do these in series." I have loved Philippians. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. I hope you have learned and grown. Next week, we're kicking off a series that we're going to do for June and July that we're ta- calling "What If Jesus." Was serious, and we're gonna look at some things that Jesus talks about in the Gospels, specifically words of Jesus. We're gonna talk about, like, what if Jesus was serious about eternity? What if Jesus was serious about the Sabbath? What if Jesus was serious about eternity? What if Jesus was serious about sexuality? What if Jesus was serious? And we're going to deal with those kind of things, and then this fall we'll kick into another book in the Bible, and then 2024. I can't believe we're starting to even think about 2024. I feel like 23 just started, but 2024 we're actually going to begin to talk about one of the. We're going to walk through a a gospel, and we're not sure which one yet, but it might take the whole year just to walk through that and teach the words of Jesus. But we're looking forward to that. But today we're concluding with Philippians chapter four, verse fourteen through twenty-three. I'm going To read all of this to you, and then we're going to just begin to break this down. But let's look at it. Verse 14. Oh, yeah. Also, I forgot, almost forgot, and they even put a note on my iPad. Hey, every Tuesday night, one of the things we value here at Destiny is every week we have prayer happening. Um, here at the church. Um, We pray with our staff and some intercessors on Monday. I pray with a group of intercessors on Wednesday. The first Tuesday night of every month with with us this Tuesday night, we have prayer here at the church from 6 to 8 p.m. If you just want to stop by and pray for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever, you want to come in and pray, we have prayer the first Tuesday night of every month right here in the worship center. So come and join us. I know that we'll be praying for prodigals this Tuesday night. We've seen some prodigals, Saved over the last few weeks and lives changed and we're just continuing to believe and we believe that's all possible because of prayer, all right? All right, so join us this Tuesday night. Hey, Philippians chapter four, verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into the partnership with me and giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You'd think he's done. And then he says, final greetings. (laughs) Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord be with you in your spirit. When we look at these verses right here, obviously the one that jumps out to us And it's the one that we quote, and I could probably walk through the room and the majority of you could quote it, is my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. And that is very true today. God is a generous God. But as we've looked at in this study of the book of Philippians, you have to pay attention to what is said before the verses. You can't just pick out a verse and say, I like that without seeing what it says leading up to that. So just a little appetizer before we get here. We're going to break this down. But I just want to tell you, you cannot divorce verse 19 from the four verses that precede it. You can't just say, well, my God shall supply my needs, but not pay attention to what verse 14 through 18 says. We're going to break all of that down today. And I believe... If you guys will listen to this message and grab a hold of it today, I believe this message will speak to our lives and change our hearts today, all right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've done. I thank you for this message that you're going to speak to our hearts today. Lord, I pray that every one of us in this room grab a hold of it by faith, stir our hearts today, change our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, before I go on, let's give it up. Didn't our young communicators, our young adults, didn't they do a great job last Sunday preaching the gospel? They did great. And our worship team, we had some young, some young teenagers on drums and singing today. They, last week, they did a great job, and I'm very proud of them. So let's pick it up in verse 14. It says this, Yet it was kind of you, to share in my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves knew know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and giving and receiving except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. First thing I want you to see here today is I want to just break this down a little bit, and we're going to spend the majority of our time talking actually about verse 19, but there's some things I want to show you. Last Sunday, Pastor John did a great job, and he spoke to us as he concluded those verses from last week. He said that Paul was content, and that's what verses 10 through 13 is telling us. Paul was content, but he's also very grateful for the help of others. Verse 14, the beginning of it says, yet it was kind of you. The New King James translation says, nevertheless. The New Living Translation says, even so. Why do I share these just different words that kick off verse 14 with you? Because I want you to see that this is a transition point from verses 10 and 13 to take us into verse 14, what he's getting ready to say. He's beginning to teach us. So let's just kind of look back at verse 10 through 13. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's saying here, hey, I'm content. But then he begins to transition us into verse 14 and it's very important that we understand what Paul is doing here because I believe if Paul had just ended and didn't go into verse 14, it could have sounded like he didn't need them. It could have sounded like, hey, not that I was ever in need because I'm content, content and I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. If it had stopped right there, it could have sent the wrong message to the Philippians. It could have been like, hey, I'm thankful for your money, but I don't really need you and I don't really appreciate anything you've done for me. Can you see how that could kind of sound that way? Or maybe you guys don't see that and maybe my brain just realizes it's 2023 and everybody gets mad about everything, Right? <laughs> Maybe they weren't that way in the book of Philippians. Maybe they were just content and happy and whatever Paul said was good. But I don't know, I read this and I think, man, if he's not explaining himself, there's probably some angry people. Oh, you don't care what I gave you? All right, well, I'll just give it to another preacher, all right? I don't know, all right, that's not in the message, that's just kind of... So this is not what Paul is trying to communicate. Paul is saying to them, hey, you Philippians, you've done very well by me. And you've shared your love and your generosity and your support to me in my current situation, which which is under house arrest. He's not simply in prison, he's under house arrest, chained to Roman guards while he's writing this. And he said, but you have always been there for me, and I am beyond grateful. This is like a heartfelt thank you that is coming from Paul to the people of Philippi. This is a thank you, This, but this is a part of the condition to get us to verse 19. He's like, I'm very thankful. Then verse 15, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs. I really want you to see this. Paul is saying, hey, I'm content. God's been good to me. God's blessed me. But your partnership with me matters. Matters. Paul's saying, yes, this could be possible with just God. But I'm content because I know that, but I'm thankful and I'm grateful that you have partnered with me. Paul's saying to them, you've helped me financially, you've helped me physically, you've helped me emotionally, you've helped me physically, you've helped me in every single way. You've prayed for me. And Paul's telling them, all that I've accomplished through God All the people's lives who've been impacted and changed, you and your generosity have made it possible. Yes, we can trust in God to handle all of it, but Paul's talking, one of Paul's major themes, one of the major themes in the New Testament is partnership. We don't have to do Christianity alone. We don't, we we have access directly to God, but we have access to God through other people. And it's one of the major themes in the New Testament. I love Acts 2, 44 and 45. Paul has this mentality that it's about partnership. And he's, I think he's leaning back into even what it says in Acts 2 here. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned. They pooled their resources so that each person's needs were met. I believe this is one of the most beautiful pictures in all of the Bible about what the church should look like. I know people like, you just want my money. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But listen to me, I believe partnership, you have a need, I'm there to help you. I have a need, you're there to help me. That's the beautiful picture of what the church should look like. But too many of us feel like we have to do this all by ourselves. But there is this beautiful partnership, and Paul saying, hey, I could do all this with God because God gives me strength, but I'm beyond thankful that you've been there for me, you've blessed me, you've never failed me, you've never let me down. When nobody else was there for me, you were there for me. It's about partnership. And Destiny Church, imagine what we could do as a church if we fully understood and grasped partnership. Listen to me, I, I, one of the things I've been wrestling with really for several years is this mentality, and we're guilty of it as a church. This is just a moment of vulnerability and confession, right? The church, while we've done the church as a whole, but again, I'm just responsible for destiny. We do missions work, and we do outreaches in our community, and we help homeless, and all those kind of things, but I think sometimes we forget about the needs in our own church of the people sitting in our own seats, And listen to me, I think one of the most beautiful things that could happen in the church is if you have a need, the church meets your need. I think it's partnership. I think it's beautiful. I think it's one of the things the Lord wants to do. How does that all happen? How does that all work? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, it's beautiful to see partnership. And this is what Paul's saying here. He's he's saying, this is your heart to do just this. But Paul doesn't stop there by just thanking them for their generosity. Let's pick up verse 17. Paul wants them to know, hey, I'm not only thankful for the support that you've given me, but Paul, listen what he's, he's like, but I'm just as interested in you receiving the blessings that are yours because of your generosity. Let me say it again. Paul's telling them, hey, I'm just as interested in you receiving your reward because of your generosity. Where do you get that, Pastor? Let's look at verse 17. But though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me happiest is the well earned reward you will have because of your kindness. Thank you for your generosity, but not only am I thankful for your generosity to me, I'm excited about the blessings that are coming your way because of your generosity. It's what Paul's teaching us here, and I know that many people in the seats do not think that pastors and spiritual leaders should ever talk about money. And I know that many people sitting in their seats think pastors are just after my pocketbook and they just want to pad their own bank account. And I just want to tell you, I can say this for me, not anybody else. I'm not after what's in your pocketbook. I promise you, I am not trying to get into your bank account and pad my bank account and make me and my family rich. I want you to hear me. This is an honest moment for me. I can 100% say, I want to see you blessed. I want to see you blessed. And blessings come with generosity. It's not about being selfish or stingy. It comes with generosity. And this is what Paul's saying here the church in Philippi. Yes, I'm thankful for the gift that you gave me. And I say that to you today. Listen to me. I am beyond thankful for every time that you guys give to make everything we do at Destiny Church possible. Your giving makes it possible. I am beyond thankful once a year that Destiny Church does a pastor's appreciation for my wife and I and our family. I am beyond grateful for that. I am humbled by that every single time. But I do not stand up here and say, hey, you can give, or I teach on giving so that my bank account gets more full. I truly am thankful for your giving, but I want to see you blessed. I want to see the reward that is coming your way because of generosity. And listen to me today. This principle of sowing and reaping is throughout scripture. This principle of he who gives generously will be blessed generously is throughout scripture. Let's just look at a few cases. Proverbs, this is Solomon, verse 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Everybody say larger. But the world of the stingy gets what? Uh oh. Why do I not have enough? And listen to me, I am not a name it, claim it preacher. All right. I do not believe that you give $10, you're getting $100 today. I don't give you that money-back guarantee. But I do believe that when we're generous, and I don't understand God's economy. I'm not a math person. My, ch- my children, all three of, all three of the older kids, Malik, I'm not sure yet. I think he's really smart at math. But all three of my older kids are brilliant mathematically. I didn't get any of that. So I don't understand it in the natural sense, and I don't understand it in heaven sense. But I, all I know is that when God, when I give to the kingdom of God, I, there's more left over. The world, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, Solomon says. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Later in Proverbs, Solomon says verse, in chapter 19, verse 17, when you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. And listen to what it says here. And he pays wonderful interest on your loan. Hello? Verse chapter 22, verse nine, be generous and share your food with the poor. You will be blessed for it. Jesus says this in Luke 638, give and you will receive your gift will return to you in full. But this isn't just talking about money. Before this verse, it was talking about judgment. Remember, you can't just pick a verse and say, Well, I think this is a money verse. No, you have to understand that just before this, he's talking about judgment. So what the Lord's saying here in this verse is give, and whatever it is you give. Generosity, love, forgiveness, mercy, grace, kindness. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together. To make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. To the church in Corinth, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 9 6. Remember this, if you give little, you're going to get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will only get a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. So why do I share all these verses today? Because I want you to understand today that when you are generous with anything money, kindness, love, patience, grace, mercy, whatever it might be, forgiveness, finances, any of that, the Lord rewards us because of our generosity. And that's what Paul is teaching us here as he closes out Philippians chapter four. Are we getting this? Is this okay that I talk this way today? All right. Is this okay? I know some of you are like, I just want you to be done, but that's all right. I'm going to keep going. But I, I want to tell you today, I, I want you to hear from my heart. I'm not preaching today on money because Destiny Church is desperate for money. Number one, I'm preaching on this text today because it's in the text. I can't, well, we're just going to skip it because I don't want to talk about money. No, we're going verse by verse, line by line. But I uh, Listen to me, but I want to say this before that. I'm... I'm not preaching today because Destiny Church is desperate for money. I asked, you saw the video of Pastor Jason. I asked him this this week. I said, hey, tell me um, where we are financially as a church because I know that we are up in our giving. So Destiny Church, I want you guys, just give you guys a little bit of insight on how we do finances here. So every year, we budget 90% of the previous year. So let's say in 2022, and I don't know the number we brought in, so just don't freak out or get excited or get mad, all right? But let's just, I have to do simple math, all right? So we just gotta keep it simple. So let's say we brought in a million dollars at Destiny Church in 2022. Well, this year, then we would budget on $900,000 coming in. Does that make sense? We're not, but a lot of people say, well, we'll just budget for more next year. No, we always want to stay in line, all right? And this year, our giving has exceeded our budget. We are above what we projected to be at this year. And so listen to me. So I'm not standing up here and saying this because I'm like, hey, we need to put money in the bank account, all right? Now I know some of you are like, well, then I just won't give anymore. No, listen. (laughs) That's not how it works, all right? I mean, if you don't want to be blessed, you can stop. But I'm preaching this today because I want you to be blessed. All right? And I do want to update you on something. I know some people have some questions like Pastor Chad, when are we going to when are we going to see anything about the building? Well, you know, we have 20 acres. And we're getting ready to build, and we've put a substantial amount of money back over the last several years. God has been faithful. He's blessed us. We have a substantial amount of money put back. We're going to be coming to you in the, as soon as we get some things done, but we have a design meeting tomorrow, our third or fourth design meeting with our architect. Hopefully, we can nail this down, get a somewhat final plan, so then we can present that to you guys and show you what your future home is going to look like, and then we're going to raise a little bit more money, and then we'll build. Because here's the deal. Us, our staff, our management team, Pastor Jason, our executive pastor, we don't want to go into debt, all right? We don't want to be sitting there unable to do what God has called us to do. Hey, we got a pretty building, but we can't serve anybody, right? We don't want to be house poor, as I guess what we should say, all right? You know, we got this beautiful house, but we're eating ramen every day. That's not, we, we want to keep eating steak and seeing what God is doing in our community. We want to continue to do school supply drives. We want to continue to serve Africa. We want to continue to do wheel fed. We want to continue to do all that, all right? So that's part of that, all right? So just kind of, that was like, none of that was in the notes, but I just felt like you needed to hear that. So let's look at, let's continue on. Verse 18. This is what Paul says. This is the first part of this verse. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. This, this right here, you can imagine. This is Paul's receipt that he's giving to the to the church in Philippi. This is a receipt that he is saying, "Hey, I received. You sent Epaphrodites, and Paul's writing a letter, and this is thank you for your gift." This is his his tax statement coming from the church, right? This is, I received in full payment everything that you gave me. And I love the second part of this verse. I'm gonna break this down a little bit. So let's pick it up, verse 18, all from the beginning. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphrodites the gift you sent, listen here, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Listen to me. Here, Paul is using sacrificial language from the Old Testament. And he's describing the gifts he received from the Philippians as a fragrant offering. Listen here it's a sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, the Bible shows us that when animals were sacrificed to God and that aroma would lift to heaven, it was a pleasing aroma. To God. In fact, the book of Leviticus says it at least 16 times that animal sacrifice is when that aroma would lift to heaven. It was pleasing to God. And so you have to ask why. Was God just wanting more animal skins on his walls? You know, was God a meat eater? You know, why why is this aroma pleasing to the Lord? It's not has nothing to do with God wants to put animal skins on his walls. God's not weird. God's not violent. Why isn't a pleasing aroma acceptable and pleasing to the Lord when he smells that? Because it shows obedience. It shows sacrifice. It shows worship. Listen to me. When we give to the Lord, again, whatever it might be, and we sacrifice it to the Lord, heaven goes, ah, there's one of my kids worshiping me. It's aroma, it's beautiful, it's pleasing to God. Listen to me, when you give of your time, your talent, your treasure, as one of our core values says, when you give of your worship, listen to me, your worship is pleasing to God. God desires it, God deserves it. Psalms 96, seven and nine. Give to the Lord, you families of the nation. Give to the Lord glory and power. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in his holy splendor tremble in all the earth. Listen to me, whether you believe this or not, as New Testament believers, we are supposed to offer sacrifices to the Lord just as they did in the Old Testament. Let me say this again. Whether you believe this or not, as New Testament believers, we are supposed to offer sacrifices to the Lord just as they did in the Old Testament except my sacrifice isn't an animal. My sacrifice is me. Romans 12, 1, what's Paul say here? And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy... What's that word? Sacrifice. The kind that God will find... Your sacrifice of you is holy, it's pleasing, it's acceptable to God. This is truly the way to worship him. Hebrews 12, 13, verse 15 and 16. I love this from the message. Let's take our place outside with Jesus, no longer pouring out the sacrificial blood of animals, but pouring out sacrificial praises from our lips to God in Jesus' name. Make sure you don't take things for granted and go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. Are you getting this right here? Worship and giving. It's together. Listen to this. This is a beautiful picture. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that take place in the kitchen and in the workplace and on the streets. Wow. What a beautiful set of verses. And listen to me, we're going to talk about this more next week, but worship is essential to our faith. Worship is essential to our faith. And I know many of us, we come into church and we're like, man, why are we worshiping so long? Why are we singing? Why is the worship team? Why is Pastor Chad pacing back and forth? Why is Doug shouting? Why is he jumping? Why is she kneeling? Why are they crying? Because I want to worship God with everything I have inside of me. And we've somehow in the church body, we've got it backwards And we thought, can I just, and and listen to me, and I I hope this is none of you and I'm not, and I I can preach things like this because I'm not pointing at anyone. But I know people, I've had people over the years say, Pastor, we we just come, we come late because we don't really care about the worship. We just want to hear the word. You know what that tells me? You're selfish. And you see, we've got it distorted because we've made church about me and not about him. Church is not about you. It's about him. It's about Him. And listen to me, the one thing that we should do more and more of is worship. We should preach less and worship more. Because this word, if you'll get into it, it'll preach to you. You don't need me to give you the word always, but what we do need in this room is to come together and lift up holy hands and worship a God who's worthy. He desires it. He deserves it. We need to bow before him. 20 minutes too short, 30 minutes too short. We just need to say, God, you're God, and I'm going to worship you continually. Hello? Is this Okay. If it's not, that's all right. Paul said it. I'm just repeating his words. (laughs) Listen to me. God desires your worship. God desires your praise, but here's the key but it has to be offered. Let me say it again. God desires your worship, but it has to be offered, it has to be sacrificed. Are we getting this? listen to me just as the aroma of those animals sacrificed in the Old Testament would lift up to heaven and heaven I, I can just picture you know I, I tell you guys when I read scripture sometimes I see things I, I don't I don't say they're always visions but I think I just have that kind of a mind that just kind of I just kind of picture it. I just kind of see heaven when they would offer those animals I could just kind of see God going yeah there's obedience. Yep, that's worship. And you know, when we begin to sing in this room together or when you begin to worship on a Tuesday, or listen to me, when you see somebody that has need and you've been down and helped them on a Tuesday afternoon, when you serve somebody in the parking lot, when you change a diaper, I think Kevin goes, oh yeah, yep." there's worship. Listen to me, you say, well that smells. No, it's, we're humans and what we offer up Even in our stench, when we offer it, God says, Why? Because it's obedience. It's worship. It's pleasing to God. We getting this? All right, let's get to verse 19. Let's wrap up. A lot of you could probably quote this verse, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. In Christ Jesus and this is a great verse but all too often we take this verse out of context this is one of those verses and this is the title of today's message my wife doesn't even know she helped me today but this is one of those premise before promise verses that Tasha has talked about here at destiny premise before promise so today don't miss the premise before the promise here God says, verse 19, he will meet all of our needs, right? That's what scripture says. How many of you believe scripture? He'll meet all of our needs. So then why do so many Christians have so many needs? Why did Megan have to wait 15 years to be healed? I think there's multiple reasons. I think one, I think a lot of things we call needs aren't needs. They're wants. Right? Is that okay? Like you want a bigger house, that's okay, but do you need it? And, then, and please hear me, nothing against a bigger house. You want that nicer boat, right? And again, nothing against it. If you want to give me a nice boat, I'll take that nice boat, all right? So nothing against it. But I think sometimes we get frustrated at God because He's not meeting that want. And God's like, I have something else over here for you. I think a second reason that some of our needs aren't met right away is because we live in this world. And in this world, you will have trouble. And there's lack, and there's hardship, and there's trials, and God's not our genie in the bottle. And you just rub it, and okay, God gives it. That's not how it works. But Pastor Jed, I still have needs. Isn't it? Why don't I have them? So is God a liar? Right? I mean... Obviously, God would be a liar if I still have needs. No, God's not a liar. Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. He can't lie. So what's going on here? I think God's promise, listen to me, in verse 19, is based on the premise of giving. We don't like this part because we just want to think that God supplies all my needs and gives me what I want. No. God's promise in verse 19 is based on the premise of giving. God's saying, if you do this, then I will do this. Many of us, we want to take the promise of verse 19 and apply it to our lives while avoiding the premise of verse 14 through 18. We don't want to be generous. We don't want to tithe. We don't want to give of our time. We don't want to give of our hard-earned income. We don't want to give grace. We don't want to give mercy. We don't want to give forgiveness. We don't want to be kind. We're selfish. I want what I want. I want it now. But God says, if you give, then I will bless you can't divorce verse nineteen from all that has been said previous. Paul is speaking here to the church in Philippi, who's gone above and beyond for him. They've met every need; they've never failed, and they've met. And, and they haven't just given to a person so Paul can build big homes. No, they've given to Paul. And what has Paul done? He has spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's because of somebody like Paul that we, non-Jewish people, Gentiles today, can stand here and worship. I want you to hear me today. The Philippian church made it possible for you and I to be here today. And so God's saying to them, hey, because you gave, then I will bless you. Are we getting this? This is a powerful, powerful promise. Listen to me. The premise of the promise is we must be generous. We must be generous. We are selfish. We are stingy. I've been there. We we don't have faith. We don't have trust in God. I, I can't give my money because I can't pay my bills. Have you seen the cost of ketchup lately? Have you seen the cost of hamburger meat lately? I got to hoard all my money. Listen to me. God says you give, I multiply. God says you stingy, you'll have less. It's part of it. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. Write this down. God is not obligated to meet your needs if you're not obeying his commands. In fact, I think what happens when we fail to obey the commands is when we are stingy, we block the flow of God's blessings. Proverbs 11:24. we looked at the beginning. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So what Paul's telling the church in Philippi. You've been generous. God's being generous right back. And notice what Paul says here. I love this part. He says, my God. You see, this is not some God on a throne that Paul knows nothing of. This is Paul's God. He knows him. He has an intimate, personal relationship with him. He knows him. And Paul's saying, that God, my God, will supply all your needs. And here's what I want to tell you today. If you're in a relationship with God, he can be your God as well. You can walk up to somebody in need and say, my God will heal your arm." My God will meet your need. It's a beautiful, beautiful promise today. But I want you to notice today as we begin to wrap this up. Notice, Paul doesn't say God will meet some of your needs, and it doesn't say He might meet your needs. It says He will meet all your needs. It's a guarantee. Don't you hear me today? God knows your financial situation today. God knows your mental situation, God today. God knows your physical health. God knows your emotional health. God knows all of it. God knows your relationship problems. And he is a consistent, caring, capable father. And he promises to supply all of your needs. And I want you to notice this word supply. This word supply here. Paul's saying to the people of Philippi, and as a result, he's saying to us today, you gave out of your poverty. You gave out of your lack. But God will supply according to his riches. Wow. The word supply means to be filled to the brim. It means to make complete in every way. That's what this word means in the original language. God will supply. God will make complete in every way your needs. I want you to hear that. God will make complete in every way your needs. Another translation of this, God will cause to abound. God will diffuse throughout. God will pervade. The word supply here is like a picture of a glass being filled up and water coming out. God says, I give you to the full and more. That's what he says. Please hear me again today as we wrap it all up. I'm not trying to get into your bank accounts, but I want you to know when you give generously of your time, your talent, your treasure, your worship, whatever it is, God supplies, God fills to the brim, overflowing, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And this is how God gives to his children. Now, I said at the beginning, but I want to be 100% clear here. I'm not saying if you give money to God, you're going to get money back. I'm not saying today... If you give in the offering in just a moment, I'm not saying that you're going to turn out rich and you're going to get to your car and find a million dollar check. I'm not saying that you're going to be 100% healed and whole and walking in health right away. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I will never say that. I will never hint at that. I don't believe it. I don't believe that way. But I do believe according to the word when I give generously and when I sow into good soil, God supplies my needs to overflowing. Now, listen to this. Here's the kicker to all this. Notice he says, according to his riches. It doesn't say out of his riches. There's a reason for that. This is according to his riches. Let's, let's explain it this way. How many of you have heard of Elon Musk? Anybody heard of Elon Musk? Right? Pretty wealthy guy. I, I had called and asked if he'd give everybody Teslas today, but he didn't answer my call. But anyway let's say that Elon Musk decided to drop in and visit us here at Destiny Church today. He's one of the richest men in the world. Let's say that Elon came to church here at Destiny and said, you know what, I like that, Pastor Chad. He's a pretty cool guy. I'm gonna give him a $10,000 check. Well, I'd take it. But if Elon Musk came to me and said, I'm gonna give you a $10,000 check, that would be out of his riches. But let's say Elon Musk came to me and said, man, I really like you and what you're doing. Here's a blank check. I signed it. Whatever you need. That's according to his riches. And that's what Philippians 4.19 is saying. God's not giving to you out of his riches. God's giving to you according to his riches. He's giving you a blank check. Is this okay to teach this? Overflowing. Diffusing your life with more than enough. This is how God gives to us as his children. Listen to me. God doesn't write bad checks. They never bounce. So let's wrap it up today. I'm challenging you in your table group this week. I'm challenging you to have some good, tough conversations. I'm challenging you this week to talk about your ideas of giving, have that conversation. I'm challenging you this week with your kids. Talk about giving. Talk with it about your spouse. And again, when I say giving, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about giving in every single way. I'm challenging you. get the premise before the promise. Don't just sit there and quote, you know, Philippians 4.19. Some of us need to just quote Philippians 4.15. Some of us need to get that first. And this is how Paul ends it. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with you greet you. All the saints greet you. Listen to this, especially those of Caesar's household. Did you see this? The church in Philippi, a Roman colony, because of their giving, now Caesar's own household is serving the Lord. Wow. Wow. In verse 23, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. There we go, Philippians chapter 4 just finished it. I hope God spoke to your life through this.